0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com. On this edition of the Pigpen Podcast, it is just about time that we did ourselves a nice little mock draft. And I gotta say... I think the mock draft that we did turned out pretty well. So strap in, buckle up. It's going to be a hell of a ride here. Drag up that diesel. Um, um, um. Chuck Taylor moving backwards, trying to find running room, and he's still on his feet. The first time to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's gone. This is the Pigpen Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Hope everyone is safe and well, still battling through these challenging times in our world but the NFL draft is coming up right around the corner so it's just about time that we did this super creative thing that I'm sure uh, no one has done yet which is a mock draft podcast. Now I'm going to do my best to make this not just super duper boring, but it is it is a mock draft, so it's not exactly the most lively thing in the world. As always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to join the community over at hogshaven.com and subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed. And if you are not doing so already, follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore day. Throughout the process of this offseason, this offseason in particular, I have found myself enjoying mock drafts a little bit more than I normally do. I will still take the time to read them. But because we don't really have anything going on in the world right now, unless you really just liked that ESPN horse competition, which was god-awful, because we don't have anything going on, I have found myself reading a lot of mock draft. And I like the idea that Pro Football Network has done and ran with, which is being able to do a mock draft just with one particular team. So if you have done a Redskins mock draft with Pro Football Network, please send it my direction on Twitter at Detton underscore Day because I really have enjoyed looking at a lot of them. Um, so with that being said, that is how I did this mock draft on Pro Football Network. They do a great thing over there with the mock draft simulator and just being able to utilize just the Redskins. I didn't do anyone else. I don't care about anybody else, uh, but using just the Redskins and going through this, I actually had a lot of fun, a lot more fun than I thought I was going to have. Actually doing that, uh, you can't do any trades or anything like that, so obviously there will not be any trades accounted for in this mock draft. But with that being said, let's just kind of jump right into this. We have the first pick, or our first pick is at the number two spot. Um, this should seem relatively self-explanatory. If you have listened to any of these podcasts done by me in the last like six months, you know where I'm going with number two. I love to at Tungabailoa, but we're going Chase Young at number two. We have gone on and on and on about this on this podcast. I do think he is a one of a kind type talent. I think the way that he would bolster our defensive line would be absolutely amazing with our switch to the 4 3. And I'm just a firm believer that you build a defense through the front seven and adding Chase Young to the group that we already have, which I do think we have a really, really great group of pass rushers. Adding him to that, I think is going to result in a big number of sacks solely for our front four. And I'm exceptionally excited about that. He's the best player in the draft. You're there at number two. You take the best player at, at number two and a guy that just also fills a need that you have um, As a team. So, this is a relatively self explanatory pick. I know people are are doing everything they can to find some flaw in this pick. I've seen a lot of the. the good old box score readers who are going to point out the Clemson game and they're going to point out the the Michigan game. And the Michigan game was one thing. Chase Young didn't play great. Now He didn't play uh, overly exceptional in the Wisconsin game, in the Big Ten Championship. But everybody loves to point to that Clemson game uh, just looking at the box score. And it's a terrible way to go about judging Chase Young as a player because if you actually watch the game, you would realize that the stuff that Clemson did offensively was solely to run away from Chase Young. They had the Trevor Lawrence running of the football. He had that huge run that everybody remembers, but they ran Trevor Lawrence significantly more Clemson did than they had done in any single game this year. And the reason they did that is because they were running away from Chase Young, quite literally. If Chase Young was on the left side, Trevor Lawrence would run to the right side. If he was on the right side, he would run to the left side. That is why the numbers aren't great in that Clemson game and the beauty of. The absolute beauty of having Chase Young with our defense is that if you run away from Chase Young, you are running right into either Deron Payne or Montez Sweat or John Allen or Matt Ioannidis or Ryan Kerrigan, Ryan Anderson. I mean, we have just bodies and bodies and bodies that you can line up on the other side of Chase Young, which makes it very difficult to neutralize just Chase Young if that is your game plan because we have so many other guys that are able to, to make plays. That's why I have Chase Young here at number two. I think it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a no-brainer of a pick. And for a team like us who are looking at changing our culture and building something up, Chase Young is the guy to go with at number two. Jumping all the way to the third round because we don't have a second round pick, this was maybe the surprise of the actual draft for me itself. I was not expecting this individual to be here at 66, but I know we need help with the wide receiver position. So at 66, I selected T. Higgins, uh, the wide receiver from Clemson. I was stunned. My jaw almost hit the floor when I did this draft, and he was there. At 66, because T. Higgins is a guy that's likely going to go in the second round. But hey, I'm doing this draft here. If he is available, I'm not just going to skip over him uh, in in an effort to you know be real. Hell no. If T. Higgins is there at 66, I'm going to take T. Higgins at 66. I think the value for this pick would be through the roof. I loved watching T. Higgins play at Clemson. He had a, a heck of a career there, and one of the things I love most about him is the size and his ability to use his physical gifts to create separation. His route tree isn't the greatest in the world, but he uses the abilities that he has, both his speed and his size, to create separation at the top of routes with uh, defensive backs. And being able to beat both man and zone coverage is something that I think would be huge for us as an offense. And pairing T. Higgins with Terry McLaurin and then with Kelvin Harmon and Steve Sims Jr., I think that's a nice group of four when it comes to the wide receiver, right there. I really liked what Harmon and Steve Sims Jr. did to end of the year. Last year, of course, we know what Terry McLaurin is. He is going to be our number one. And I think having T. Higgins with that group, that's a pretty nice, youthful group of wide receivers. T. Higgins has the size. He's 6'4". He has good hands. He can catch balls over the middle. So T. Higgins being there at, at 66 was really a miracle. It wasn't even a blessing in disguise. It was just a blessing. But I picked him at 66 because it was an absolute no-brainer. Jumping now into the fourth round with the 108th pick, I went with an inside linebacker from Michigan State, Joe Bocci. Um, So this is a this is kind of a uh, not a high risk, high reward pick, but there is a degree of risk to it. But the degree of risk does also come with a degree of reward. I just don't know if I would consider it high risk, high reward. He missed all about half of last season, not all last season, but half of last season uh, with a failed PED test. At Michigan State but one of the things that was great about him is that he was really good on that defense when that defense was actually really good to start the season I mean Michigan State kind of unraveled to close last college football season and a lot of that was because their offense was stuck in like the 1800s and they wouldn't throw the football which made it really easy for teams to throw uh, against them and the the offense just wasn't doing its job Uh, but John Bacci or Joe Bacci excuse me I can't even get the guy's name right Joe Bacci um he was a really, really good instincts. He's not not the biggest dude in the world. He's 6'1", 230, uh, but this is more of a depth pick. I mean, we know that our linebacking core wasn't the greatest last year. In fact, it was our biggest weakness on defense. Now, I looked at our roster, and believe it or not, we do have a ton of bodies right now at the linebacker position so this is more of a depth pick than anything else I would have loved to go offensive tackle here or just any offensive lineman but there really wasn't a guy that stood out at this particular spot so I went with the linebacker I wouldn't expect this guy to start if he was on our team I would expect him to to get some special teams reps and to then work his way up from there because when you look at our linebacking core I mean we have Thomas Davis we have Cole Holcomb you're looking at those two guys thinking okay they're probably going to be starters I am really banking on the fact that Reuben Foster is going to be good to go. And he is my favorite linebacker that we have on this roster. So I'm penciling him in as a starter. But then you look at some of the other guys that we have signed up. Sean Deion Hamilton, John Bostic, Josh Harvey Clemens, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Ryan Anderson, Jordan Brailford, Ryan Kerrigan, Jared Norris, Nate Orchard, and then Montez Sweat, who will sweat and Kerrigan will probably play edge rushers with this switch to the 4-3. But they're technically listed as linebackers. That's a ton of bodies. So there really shouldn't be an excuse to not have a semi-decent linebacking core, with just purely based on the number of guys that we have on this roster. But I think adding Bocci to this would be a little, a little bit good for depth, and adding him on the special teams unit I think could be huge. Uh, and if he kind of knocks the PED stuff, he does have a good amount of upside and could eventually work his way into being a, uh, a playmaker on the defensive side in certain packages. sticking in the fourth round. Two picks this year for us in the fourth round as it stands right now with the 142nd pick. I went tight end. We need a tight end. We need a pass catching tight end. And I have said this throughout the entirety of this offseason. The one tight end that I love more than every other tight end when it comes to pass catching is Thad Moss out of LSU. So with 142, I drafted Thad Moss out of LSU because I was a huge, a huge Joe Burrow fan this past year, and a lot of you know that I do work in the world of college football, so I watch a lot of college football, and because I was a huge Joe Burrow fan, I watched a ton of LSU, and Thad Moss was exceptionally impressive uh, when I watched him at LSU. He has the the unique ability to, to make really tough catches. He's, he has good size, and of course, his, his dad's Randy Moss, so you know he's going to be a good pass-catching tight end, but he's good in the blocking game as well. And we as a franchise don't need a blocking tight end right now. We need a pass catcher because we signed up basically all of the blocking tight ends this offseason. But I like the idea of what Thad Moss could bring to this offense in terms of being able to catch passes. He has great footwork for a wide receiver. He can run on the sideline. I really like what Thad Moss can bring to this offense, especially if we want to expand across the perimeter, having a guy like Thad Moss, uh, having a guy like T. Higgins in this draft, uh, and then adding that with Terry McLaurin and Harmon and Steve Sims Jr. I really like what that brings. So if Thad Moss is there in the fourth round uh, at 142, I don't think that's a guy that you could pass up because we are so desperate and in need of a pass catching tight end. I think he is the one to go to at 142. Into the fifth round now. 20 picks later at 162. This is where we finally start addressing the offensive line. I went with Hakeem Hadajani out of Kansas. A four-year starter at offensive tackle. He has great size, 6'4", 330. He's able to play both inside and outside, which could be unique because we have had a string of offensive line injuries. He can play a little bit of center as well. They used him briefly in that role at Kansas. I would have loved to address the offensive tackle a lot earlier because of... Everything that we know about Trent Williams and certain things that we don't know about Trent Williams, which is will he actually play for us this year? But it's it's imperative for this franchise to have some sort of plan B. Donald Penn was great for a little bit last year, but I don't know if we can rely on on that that experiment again we need something that is more definitive and more long-term and I think Hakeem Hadaj and I could be someone that we could mold into a pretty solid left tackle I mean Kansas isn't exactly the cream of the crop when it comes to the big 12 teams but it is a four-year starter at a power five school with good size if you coach him up correctly he is a guy that I think can provide a uh, a good amount of stability When it comes to the offensive line with him being a four year starter, he wasn't injury prone. So that's a big plus because we have had that issue for so many years on our offensive line. We want guys that have the ability to stay healthy. So I like him at five. I think it's good value for the pick and it's a position of need. I would have loved to address this earlier. I would have loved to address this in the fourth round. uh, But like I said, there just wasn't anyone of value at that specific time when I went to draft the inside linebacker. So addressing the offensive tackle spot now, I do think Akima Adaj and I could do some really good things with this team and could really bolster up our depth on that offensive line. Into the sixth round, 216, our pick in that round. We went back to the defensive side of the ball. We went with Harrison Hand, at the cornerback, out of Temple. Uh, I would have addressed this position significantly higher if we hadn't signed Ronald Darby, but I do like the Darby signing, and because of that, I waited a little longer to address this, but Harrison Hand, uh, another spot for good depth at our position, this is basically where you draft depth, right, in the bottom rounds of the draft, you're drafting for depth, he's 5'11", so not the biggest dude in the world, but he was able to play a lot of different concepts when he was at Temple, so he played press man, he played off man, he played different zone concepts, and I think that versatility could be huge for us when we do shift to certain packages. I don't think our defense, in fact, I know our defense, isn't going to be anywhere near as complex as what it was the past few years because we have a smarter individual running our defense. But having guys that have the versatility to be able to play different spots and different concepts I think is huge for us. I'm expecting Kendall Fuller to be on the outside on one side. I'm expecting Darby to be on the outside on On the other side. Then we have Fabian Moreau and Jimmy Moreland who can navigate in the slot, but adding hand to that group, I think that kind of shores up a little bit of what we got going on there. It's still not the best group in the world, but we're working with what we got. This depth class for the actual cornerback itself isn't exactly great. I mean, you have Jeff Okuda, who's going to be the best cornerback and the top cornerback taken. But after that, the actual cornerback does kind of fall short a little bit. I've seen just about every single mock draft done on Pro Football Network. Every single person has the Lamar Jackson guy from Nebraska going at this, usually at this time, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round. And maybe that's just because everyone loves the name Lamar Jackson. I don't really know. But when I see everyone drafting him, in their mock drafts, odds are he's probably not going to actually come to the team. I don't know why it works that way, but when you have everyone drafting the same dude in the deeper rounds of the draft, he's usually not there, or the team usually passes up on him. So because of that, factoring that into it, and I just like Harrison Hand a little bit, uh, I went with him uh, at 216. And finally, the final pick of our little 2020 Pro Football Network mock draft for the Redskins, we went with another offensive tackle, Trey Adams. Out of Washington, pure, plain and simple, Uh, he's huge, and we need more depth at the offensive line. Uh, You're not getting a great value for any guy in the seventh round. I mean, this is a guy that might not even make the roster, but you're just addressing a position of need. We need depth at the offensive line. We know that. It's not a secret. So drafting Trey Adams, who is huge, he's about like 6'8 or 6'9, something just unbelievably massive, which maybe not even is a good thing. I mean, that could be bad because he doesn't have great leverage because if you're 6'9 being drafted late in the round, Odds are you have some issues and some things that you need to work on technically and mechanically, but he was there, and quite frankly, when I did this draft, there wasn't even really any other offensive lineman there. There was. There was two other dudes, and this dude just happened to be bigger than those two other dudes, so I said, screw it. We're taking him, and that's how we round out the actual mock draft. So that was um, this mock draft. I'll run through the picks real quickly once again. Chase Young at two. T. Higgins at 66 in the third round. Joe Bocci at 108 in the fourth round. Thad Moss at 142 in the fourth round. Hakeem Adajanai at 162 in the fifth round. Harrison Hand at 216 in the sixth round. And then Trey Adams wraps up the draft at 229 in the seventh round. Like I said, to start this podcast, if you have done one of these, Please send them my way. I love looking at them. I think we're going to have a whole lot of fun as we continue to get closer and closer to the actual draft itself. You can hit me on Twitter at Detton underscore day. And this is going to be my my final podcast prior to the draft. So the next time you hear my voice on your speaker, in your car, in your headphones, wherever you are listening, we are going to be wrapping up and recapping the actual moves that we did make. And I'm exceptionally excited for that. Uh, I'm either going to be really excited when we draft Chase Young or you are going to get to be entertained by a wonderful rant because if we don't draft Chase Young at two, Lord knows I'm going to have a censor button on here. I don't really know the rules as to how much I can curse on this thing, but I'm going to break those rules if we don't draft Chase Young at number two because I'm going to be furious. So look forward to that as we get closer and as we move past the NFL draft. But until then, that's going to wrap up this episode. I finally kept it short. I've been saying I'm going to keep these episodes short, and then I go on 30-minute tangents. We kept it under 20 minutes today, so that's a big plus. Uh, That's going to do it. Follow me on Twitter, at Denton underscore Day. Send me all of your mock drafts, and I'll see you guys after the draft on the Pickman Podcast.